Welcome to Stories of Rune Terra. My name is Ravenhood, or Guy, if you prefer, and I'm just a humble storyteller that absolutely loves the lore of Rune Terra from League of Legends, Legends of Rune Terra, etc. It is my pleasure today to read some stories to you about the Darken, at a fan request, in fact. So if you hit me up on Instagram or Twitter and you want to chat about League lore, just lore in general, or how stories affect your life, or any of the above, um, I'd love it. So today we're going to be looking at two of the Darken, Aatrox and Kane. But if you don't know this, Kane isn't actually the Darken. The creature being sentient within the scythe that he wields is named Rost. A great onomatopoeic? Onomatopoeic? Onomatopoeia? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, hope you guys enjoy today uh, the stories from Runeterra about the Darken. All right, so let's jump into Aatrox now. I must destroy even hope. Aatrox, the Darkened Blade. Once honored defenders of Shirima against the Void, Aatrox and his brethren would eventually become an even greater threat to Runeterra and were defeated only by cunning mortal sorcery. But after centuries of imprisonment, Aatrox was the first to find freedom once more, corrupting and transforming those foolish enough to try and wield the magical weapon that contained his essence. Now, with stolen flesh, he walks Terra in a brutal approximation of his previous form, seeking an apocalyptic and long-overdue vengeance. Yeah. You like that little computer bling? Perfect for the moment. Whether mistaken for a demon or god, many tales have been told of the Darkened Blade, but few know his real name or the story of his fall. In ancient times, long before Desert Sand swallowed the Empire, a mighty champion of Shirima was brought before the Sun Disk to become an avatar for a now forgotten celestial ideal. Remade as one of the Ascended, his wings were the golden light of dawn, and his armor sparkled like a constellation of hope from beyond the Great Veil. Aatrox was his name. He was at the vanguard of every noble conflict. So true and just was his conduct that other god-warriors would always gather at his side, and ten thousand mortals of Shirima marched behind him. When Sitaka, the ascended warrior queen, called for his help against the rebellion of Akathia, Aatrox answered without hesitation. But no one predicted the extent of the horrors that the rebels would unleash. The void quickly overwhelmed its Akathian masters and began the grinding annihilation of all life it encountered. After many years of desperate battle, Aatrox and his brethren finally halted the Void's perverse advance and seared the largest rifts shut. But the surviving Ascended, the self-described Sunborn, had been forever changed by what they had encountered. Though Shirima had triumphed, they had lost something in their victory. 
even noble Aatrox. And in time, Sharima fell, as all empires must. Without any monarch to defend or the existential threat of the void to test them, Aatrox and the Sunborn began to clash with one another, and this eventually became a war for the ruins of their world. Mortals fleeing the conflict came to know them instead by a new and scornful name, the Darken. Fearing that these fallen ascended were as dangerous to Runeterra's survival as the Void incursions had been, the Targonians intervened. It is said that the aspect of Twilight gave mortals the knowledge to trap the Darken, and the newly reborn aspect of war united many in fighting back against them. Never fearing any foe, Aatrox and his armies were ready, and he realized only too late that they had been deceived. A force greater than a thousand dead sons pulled him inside the sword he had carried into battle countless times and forever bound his immortal essence to it. The weapon was a prison, sealing his consciousness and suffocating eternal darkness, robbing him even of the ability to die. For centuries, he strained against this hellish confinement, until some nameless mortal was foolish enough to try and wield the blade once more. Aatrox seized upon this opportunity, forcing his will and an imitation of his original form onto his bearer, though the process quickly drained all life from the new body. In the years that followed, Aatrox groomed many more hosts, men and women of exceptional vitality or fortitude, Though his grasp of such magics had been limited in life, he learned to take control of a mortal in the span of a single breath, and in battle he discovered he could feast on his victims and build himself ever larger and stronger. Aatrox traveled the land, searching desperately, endlessly for a way to return to his previous ascended form. But the riddle of the blade proved unsolvable, and in time he realized he would never be free of it. The flesh he stole and crudely shaped began to feel like a mockery of his former glory, a cage only slightly larger than the sword. Despair and loathing grew in his heart. The heavenly powers that Aatrox had once embodied had been wiped from the world and all memory. Raging against this injustice, he arrived at a solution that could only be born of a prisoner's desperation. If he could not destroy the blade or free himself, then he would embrace oblivion instead. Now, Aatrox marches towards this merciless goal, bringing war and death wherever he goes. He clings to a blind hope. If he can drive all creation into a final apocalyptic battle, where everything, everything else is destroyed, then maybe he and the blade will also cease to exist. And today's story for Aatrox is entitled The Cage, and it is by Odin Austin Schaefer. Darkness. The breath I cannot take plagues me. It is an emptiness in my lungs and throat, as if I had stopped mid-breath and then held my lungs cruelly waiting. My mouth open, throat hollow, unable to pull in air, 
my chest, the horrible tension in my thorax. My limbs and muscles refuse to move. I cannot breathe. I am choking. The pressure builds. The stillness spreads to my chest and limbs. I want to scream, to tear my face, to wail. But I am trapped. I cannot move. I cannot move. Darkness. I must remember. I must remember the battle. I lost control. It was foolish. The mortals formed in ranks against me. I crashed into them, drank from them. The temptation was too great. As I reaped, I reforged their flesh into a better approximation of my true shape. Desperately, I consumed more and more, hoping for the briefest echo of what I once was. Instead, like a fire, I burned too quickly, destroying even my host's form. Darkness. It was raining when we fought. What if the mud and filth cover me? What if I'm hidden for thousands of years? Trapped in this prison, the horror of that idea fills me with panic. The panic, the battle, the battle is ending. I can feel it. I, I must will my form upright. I must. I must. I have no arms or legs. The darkness binds me like a cocoon. No. I will myself upright. I can't know if it's working. I cannot know anything but the darkness. Please, some mortal, find me. Please. I beg the darkness endlessly, but the humiliation of my plea is answered only with silence. But, but, but then, I, I feel a mortal nearby. I have no eyes, no ears, but I can feel his approach. He's fleeing from the adversaries. He must try to defend himself. He must grasp me. Can he see me? He could run past me. I would be left here. I feel I feel his hand grip this form and, and his consciousness opens up to me. I burrow into him, pulling him down. I am like a drowning man thrown into the sea by a shipwreck, dragging myself to the surface by clawing past my fellows. What's happening? The mortal screams, but he's silenced by the darkness, the endless darkness I have just escaped. And I have eyes. I can see the falling rain, the muck, the blood of the slaughtering field. In front of me stand two weary knights with spears. I cut them apart and drink in their forms, recrafting this body to my need. They are weak. I must move quickly. I must find a better wielder, a better host. Around me, they're only the dead and dying. I hear their souls retreating from this world. The fighting has not ended. It's moved inside the city walls. I force my new shape, limping, crawling toward the sounds of battle, toward a better host. I roar, but not in triumph. Never in triumph. I will drink from that city, but I will achieve only a grotesque mockery of my former glory. I was shaped by the stars and by the purity of my aspects. I was light and reason given shape. <laughs>
I defended this world in the greatest battles ever known. Now blood and ichor drips from the stolen flesh as it decays. The muscles and bones struggle, tear, and protest the abomination I have become. I take a breath. No. No. Aatrox. I say, my voice wet and echoing off the dead that surround me. We will go onward and onward until final oblivion comes. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So, for the Darkened Cain, the Shadow Reaper. The child is gone. The killer remains. A peerless practitioner of lethal shadow magic, Shada Cain battles to achieve his true destiny, to one day lead the Order of Shadow into a new era of Ionian supremacy, he wields the ancient darkened weapon, Rost, deterred by its creeping corruption of his body and mind. There are only two possible outcomes. Either Cain bends the weapon to his will, or the malevolent blade consumes him completely, paving the way for the destruction of all Runeterra. Noxian by birth. Shade Cain and others like him were conscripted as child soldiers, a cruel practice employed by only the most devious commanders in Borum Darkwill's empire. Following the disastrous battle at the Placidium of Navori, the invasion was deliberately reformulated into a protracted war of attrition. Ionian compassion was a weakness to be exploited. Their warriors would hesitate before striking down a supposed innocent. Thus, barely able to lift the blade he had been given, Cain's first day in battle was also expected to be his last. Striking against the province of Barul, Noxian forces landed at the mouth of the Pool River. Cain and the others were a reluctant vanguard, facing disorganized bands of locals defending their home from these returning invaders. While his young comrades were cut down or fled the battlefield, Cain showed no fear. He dropped his heavy sword and snatched up a fallen sickle, turning to face the shocked Ionians just as the Noxian regulars swept in from the flank. The carnage was staggering. Farmers, hunters, even a handful of Vestaya were all butchered without ceremony. Two days later, after word had spread throughout the southern provinces, the Order of Shadow came upon the grisly scene. Their leader, Zed, knew this area had no tactical significance. This massacre was intended as a message. 
Noxus would show no mercy. A flickering glint of steel caught his eye. A child of no more than ten lay in the mud, leveling his broken sickle at the master assassin, bloody knuckles straining white. The boy's eyes harbored a pain that belied his age, yet still burned with all the fury of a hardened warrior. This tenacity was not something that could be taught. Zed saw in this child, this abandoned Noxian survivor, a weapon that could be turned against those who had sent him here to die. The assassin held out his hand and welcomed Cain into the Order of Shadow. Acolytes traditionally spent years training with a single weapon of their choosing, but Cain mastered them all. To him, they were mere tools, and he was the weapon. Armor he viewed as a cumbersome burden, instead cloaking himself in shadows and slaying his enemies with quickness and stealth. These swift executions instilled fear in the hearts of those fortunate enough to be spared. As Cain's legend grew, so did his arrogance. He truly believed that one day his power would eclipse even that of Zed himself. This hubris led Cain to embrace his final test. To seek out a darkened weapon, recently unearthed in Noxus, and prevent it from ever being used against the weary defenders of Ionia. He accepted without hesitation, never questioning why he had been chosen for this task. Indeed, where any other acolyte would have destroyed the living scythe known as Rost, Cain took it for himself. The corruption took hold the moment his fingers closed around the weapon, locking them both in a fateful struggle. Rost has long awaited the perfect host in order to rejoin his darkened brethren and lay waste to the world. But Cain will not be easily dominated. He returns to Ionia in triumph, convinced that Zed will name him the new leader of the Order of Shadow. All right, and now for the story of Cain, or from Cain on the universe. First of all, it has a sick title. Might have to add it to my D&D campaigns. But this one is entitled The Blade of Millennia, and it is by Michael McCarthy. Cain stood confidently in the shadow of the Noxtura, surrounded by dead soldiers. And smiled at the irony. These triumphal arches of dark stone were raised to honor the strength of Noxus, to instill fear, and to demand fealty from all who passed beneath them. Now this one was a tombstone, a monument of false strength and arrogance, and a symbol of the fallen warrior's own fear turned against them. Cain relished fear. He counted on it. It was a weapon, and as his brothers in the Order of Shadow had mastered their katana and their shuriken, Cain had mastered fear. But as he felt Noxian soil beneath him for the first time in years, amid the enemy soldiers slain and soon to be forgotten, there was unease. It hung in the air like the pressure before a storm, begging to be released. Nakuri, Cain's fellow acolyte of the Order, reversed the grip on his blade and prepared for a more personal fight. To his credit, he almost managed to hide the tremor in his voice. What's it going to be, brother? Cain said nothing. His hands rested empty at his sides. He knew he was in control. 
Even so, he felt a flickering sense of deja vu, like something out of a dream. It came in a flash, and then was gone. A voice rose from the empty space between them. A dark and hateful voice that echoed with the pained cries of a thousand battlefields, daring each of them to act. Who will prove worthy? Zed had summoned his greatest student. Spies of the Order had confirmed the disheartening rumors. The hated Noxians had discovered an ancient scythe of darkened origin, as powerful as any magic in Ionia. A single eye of crimson hate stared out from the heel of the blade, tempting the strongest of men to wield it in battle. Evidently, none had proved worthy. All who touched it were quickly and painfully consumed by its malevolence, so it had been wrapped in chainmail and sackcloth, and secured by a guarded caravan bound for the immortal bastion. Shade Kane knew what would be asked of him. This would be his final test. He had reached the outskirts of the coastal city of Vindor before he had even considered the journey's significance. Taking the fight to the enemy in their own lands was audacious, but so was Kane. There was no other who could match his talents, none to whom Zed would entrust the fate of Ionia, and so there could be no doubt, Kane was destined for greatness. He set his trap shortly before sunset. The approaching caravan was just visible in the distance, as wisps of dust rising in the orange sky. Ample time to dispatch the three guards at the Noxtara. He moved in silence across the archway's lengthening shadow as the first guard paced out a patrol. Kane summoned his shadow magic and stepped into the black stone wall as if it were a passage open only to him. He could see the guards in silhouette, grasping their pikes tightly with both hands. He lunged from the edifice, cloaked in shadow, and snuffed the life from the second guard with his bare hands before the third could even react. Kane dissolved into tendrils of pure darkness and darted across the cobbled road, reforming in front of his victim. In a flash, he wrenched the man's head around, snapping his neck with ease. The first guard heard the bodies fall, lifeless and limp, and turned toward Kane. The assassin smiled, taking time to relish the moment. It paralyzes, does it not? he hissed, slipping into the shade of the Noxtara once more. The fear. He rose from the quaking soldier's own shadow. This part is where you run, Noxian. Tell the others what you have witnessed here. The soldier threw down his pike and sprinted for the safety of Vendor. He didn't get far. Clad in robes every bit as dark as Cain's, Nakuris leapt from behind the Noxtara and plunged his katana into the belly of the fleeing soldier. The other acolyte locked eyes with Cain. The vaulted strength of Noxus? Ugh, such delusion. I knew you were impetuous, brother, Kane spat, but this, following me all this way, hoping to share in my glory? There was no time for further admonishment. They could hear the caravan of soldiers approaching. Get out of sight, Nakuri. I'll deal with you later, if you survive. 
The long shadows of twilight hid the bodies until the approaching soldiers were almost beneath the Grand Arch. Hold! The first outrider cried, drawing his sword. Fan out! Now! Confusion set in amongst the others as they left their horses, and for the first time, Cain laid eyes on their cargo. It was just as Zed had described, wrapped in chainmail and sackcloth and strapped to the back of a sturdy Vindoran steed. Patience was a virtue that Nakuri did not possess, and he heedlessly dove for the nearest soldier. Cain always selected his targets carefully, and so struck with precision at the lead outrider, felling him with his own sword. He turned again to the Vindoran, but the scythe was gone. No, he had come too far to fail. Cain! Nakuri yelled as he cut down one soldier after another. Behind you! A desperate Noxian had freed the weapon, its red eye now revealed and glowing with inhuman rage. The soldier's own eyes grew wide as he swung in vicious arcs at his own comrades. He was clearly not in control, trying in vain to release the scythe. So the rumors were true. Calling again on his shadow magic, Cain dove into the writhing Noxian's dark and corrupted flesh. For the briefest of moments, he saw through the eyes of this ageless being, witnessing millennia of inflicted pain and suffering, screams and lamentations. This thing was death reborn again and again. It was the purest evil, and it had to be stopped. He burst from what was left of the Noxian, the soldier's flesh having warped into scales of hardened carapace that shattered into black shards and choking dust. All that remained was the scythe, its eye now closed. Cain reached for it as Nakuri dispatched the last of their enemies. Brother, stop! the acolyte cried, flicking blood from his katana. What are you doing? You saw what it can do, it must be destroyed! Cain faced him. No, it is mine. The two of them drew up, neither willing to back down. Beyond the city boundaries, warning bells began to toll. The moment seemed to stretch out. Nakuri reversed the grip on his blade. What's it going to be, brother? The scythe spoke to Cain then. It seemed as if it was echoing in his mind, and yet the other acolyte's widening eyes showed that he heard it too. Who will prove worthy? Cain conjured fingers of darkness that snatched up the weapon, lifting it into the night and spinning it into his waiting hands. It felt like a part of him, like it had always been a part of him, as if he alone was born to wield it. It spun with a comfortable flourish and leveled the blade toward Nakuri's throat. Do what you must. Oh my goodness! Gonna flag this one mentally, cause how intense and how much there is to talk about the darkness within... Probably ruined the moment there. But man, what a great story.
Well, this was uh, a episode that I actually really enjoyed. There's something about the the meditations we can have on. I think the saying could go, uh, "Which wolf do we feed?" So there's so much that you can learn and reflect on by considering the stories of um, the Darken. I don't know that Atrox. Atrox's story jumps into it as much as uh, Kane's does with Rost, but you know, it was um, pretty cool. So I'm totally thrilled to have done these darkens. These were from, as per request by a guy that reached out to me on Instagram, greetings from Sweden. Uh, so thanks again, Adam, for the recommendation. I hope I make your workday a little better today. And um, I know that these aren't the only two darken, and we've been hitting a bunch of Noxus the last, I guess, the last one, last months, and then in the week, or the end months of last year. And... Um, this is just going to be the way the new format has to be with the way my life is, and I get to do it a little bit, and hopefully you all enjoy it. So thanks again for listening, Adam. Um, I'll keep my eye out to see if there's any other lore stuff from League of Legends so you can, I can shout them out. But yeah, hope you enjoy it, and if you do enjoy the podcast, go ahead and hit me up on Instagram or uh, Twitter. I'm Ravenhood, R-A-V-Y-N, capital H-O-O-D. There's usually a raven with a like a little moat of blue in his mouth. That's <laughs> that be me, dear friends. So thanks again. Uh, if I was really cool, I'd know how to say hello or goodbye in Swedish because I love language, but I'm not that cool. So um, I'll catch you later, and we'll see you next month with uh, whatever we end up doing. All right, catch you later, and uh, enjoy stories from all across the world.